Welcome to Sex Care Self-Care, a conversation on women's sexual health brought to you by the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. I'm your host, Patty Brisbane. And with us today is Dr. Sherelle Inglesias, a member of the Patty Brisbane Foundation Medical Advisory Board. Hi, Dr. Inglesias. Tell Hi. our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, Patty. I'm happy to be here. Hey, I'm Sherelle Iglesia. I am a board certified OBGYN and urogynecologist um, here in Washington, DC. I'm a professor um, in OBGYN and urology at Georgetown. And I direct the section of female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery for MedStar Health here in Washington. Happy to be here. And we're so honored that you uh, serve the Patty Brisbane Foundation Board. I, I can't tell you how honored I am to have you here. So thank you. I'm so happy about it because I think you're we're doing some, where you're about to fund some cutting edge research uh, for women's health and women's sexual health. And I think it's really important. I really am grateful to you, Patty, for your generosity um, because not many people are bold enough to to take this on personally. So I can you know, attest she's really committed. It's just working with thousands and thousands of women out there who deserve this. And yeah. so that's what it's all about. It's about giving back and, and helping leave this world a better place than you found it. That's a great legacy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start asking the most basic questions. What is perimenopause and what is menopause? <laughs> What's menopause. the difference? <laughs> okay. So menopause is one of those things where you don't know you've in, you've, you, you're in it, so you've been in it for a while. <laughs> menopause um, basically has a definition as 12 months after your final menstrual period. So like this would happen to me, like I went 11 months, I thought I was totally done and pop, there goes another weasel, I, you have a period. So then the clock has to start again. So clearly I wasn't in menopause, but that is a defined thing. There is no single blood test that we can find. It's basically when the ovaries have no more eggs to release Therefore, you don't develop any, you don't ovulate anymore. So you don't have any more corpus luteum, which produces the progesterone, which sheds the lining to give you that period. Okay. Um, So 12 months after that means that you don't need any more birth control. You're done. You're done. Um, But the perimenopause is that seven, eight, nine year period um, time span before where things are cycling differently and hormonal levels, particularly estrogen are dropping. And the average age of menopause in America is uh, 51.7 years or something, but the average eight time span of perimenopause is seven years. So this is the period from your mid forties to your mid fifties where there are hormonal changes, essentially Patty, is that? Yes. Well, we know that the onset of perimenopause can happen at a wide range of age. Um, how, how do you know you're going through it? What are some of the symptoms? Yeah, signs and symptoms. So let's start with some symptoms. Symptoms, well, if you talk to my husband, he'll say moodiness, and I don't think that that's really nice. That's <laughs> not nice. However, symptoms of the perimenopause are um, changes in mood, but also 
Hot flashes can start happening a little bit with more frequency. You can have changes in libido or your desire mm -hmm. to engage. Um, and you can start to experience some vaginal dryness. In addition to that, there are signs such as um, heavier or irregular bleeding. So you won't, you'll go a couple months without a period or like I said, I went 11 months and all of a sudden there it goes, you have another period, right. um, but then it's heavier or the periods can be a lot lighter, but, but they're taking longer. All of this has to do with the fact that you're not having regular ovulation. And eventually, I mean, we're born with a some, certain number of eggs and eventually the eggs don't function anymore. There is a, a, a thing I think we're gonna talk about called surgical induced menopause, which is abrupt. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that leads me to my next that one. Is, uh, yeah. Natural menopause is very different from surgical menopause yeah. or medical menopause. Can you tell us why a person might experience medical menopause and how just how different is it? Yes. Okay. So you can get uh, medication induced, I guess, medical menopause um, that you can also have surgical induced menopause. So let's talk about surgery first. Surgical induced menopause is when ovaries are removed. Both ovaries have to be removed. You only need one to function, but both ovaries have to be removed. So therefore you have no more eggs, um, the no more progesterone production, um, no more estrogen production, no more testosterone production. So there is an abrupt sensation in your hormonal milieu, which has can have some devastating effects. At the same time, we take these out for reasons like, you know, you have cancer, um, or you have a genetic disorder, like your breast cancer, BRCA gene carrier, which has, depending on if it's one or two, yeah. 40 to 60% risk of ovarian cancer. We generally take those out after people have had their child, they, they birthed all their children, they're done with their fertility, but before they reach the menopause and certainly before they get cancer. So there are some reasons to get the ovaries out. Um, but in general, we don't like to take the ovaries out, particularly before age 65, because the data shows that taking those ovaries out unnecessarily, um, just because like you're in there, take the ovaries out, is not good for the body. In fact, all-cause death increases heart disease and stuff because you take the ovaries out. In addition to a very big decline in libido, and I know Michael's going to be talking about libido with you, but right. you know, that's a very big source of testosterone and it's not good for your bones. And there's a lot of bad things about taking ovaries out before age 65. So if you're undergoing hysterectomy for something, talk to them about taking the tubes out, but leaving the ovaries if they can, if at all possible, particularly if you're over, under the age of 65, because your chance for breast for ovarian cancer is only about 1.5%, but you can significantly decrease that risk by just taking out the fallopian tubes, which is where the, 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 the cancer cells kind of start from. That's all surgical. Now, medical menopause can happen. You can be genetically programmed and get premature ovarian failure before age 40. And that's like, really early menopause and you're at high risk for a lot of things, including fractures and osteoporosis and heart disease. Um, but you can also get this induced from things that we give you, such as uh, chemotherapy for breast cancer right. and um, other kinds of uh, a hormonal treatment for other adrenal conditions or something. When that happens, um, 
I want people to understand that hormone replacement or hormonal therapy has gotten a bad rap. People don't want to take it because they said it's associated with breast cancer and blood clots and heart disease and stroke. That's the difference though. Um, giving postmenopausal hormone therapy is very different from giving hormone therapy in people who've had to have their ovaries taken out, say they had bilateral infections or they were prematurely, they had premature ovarian failure. We need to replace that hormone till they get to that regular state of natural menopause, the 51. So if for some reason you ended early because there was a genetic predisposition to this right. or some other reason why they had to take it out because you like there were there were infections in both ovaries or you're, you're, they twisted the ovaries and it wasn't a cancer situation, you should replace that to the, to the natural age of menopause. So very different between taking hormone therapy afterwards. And I know it's very confusing to people, um, but we'll be talking about some local hormone therapy and, and I don't want people to be fearful of that. Uh, that that's great advice. Um, okay. Well, here's the fun, the fun part of it. We always hear about hot flashes and insomnia associated with menopause, but rarely we discuss the change in sexual health. Tell us about the changes that happen within the sexual health and what hope can we give women going through this? Okay. And that's where I want to talk about this. I'm glad that was the next question. So this is the new buzzword GSM genitourinary syn syndrome of menopause. So like it was about 2013, I was in a, a group of a lot of the same urologists um, who came up with the term erectile dysfunction because impotence was not a great word. Vulvovaginal atrophy is not a great word yeah. um, to say, you know, as a treatment. So they changed impotence to erectile dysfunction. And we, we actually really worked on this to change vulvovaginal atrophy to GSM or genitourinary syndrome of menopause. And the thing about that is that it's when you have menopause and you have declining estrogen levels, it is not just the genital region, the vulva and the vagina that get dry. And that's one of the and, and pain, dry sex and painful sex is a problem. But you also have urinary, genitourinary symptoms like problems with urinary tract infections, burning with urination, urinating frequently, um, painful urination. Um, those are all because um, the vulva, the vagina, the bladder, and the urethra all come from the same embryological origin when we develop as an embryo. So they're all very estrogen sensitive. And so when you reach the menopause, it's not just the vulva and the vagina that are drying up, it's your urethra and the bladder. And there's, I think people need to understand that we can help that very easily by replacing the estrogen locally. And local therapy within the vagina is very different than when you take hormones by mouth. Um, the, the, the dosage is so much lower and the risk for the breast cancer and the blood clots and the heart disease and the stroke are negligible. Wow. And I wanna say, because people always bring up the Women's Health Initiative. Well, there was an observational arm on the Women's Health Initiative that fought 45,000 women. That's a lot of women for seven years. And 
They were all taking local estrogen and there was no increased risk in cancer. So very reassuring to the point that many people who are experts on hormones are trying to get some of the black box warnings that are on the oral estrogens off the labeling for the local estrogens. I know because if you speak with breast surgeons, they are totally on the opposite page. I know. They're yes. like, estrogen isn't estrogen isn't estrogen. But you know, I think they're coming because I did speak at the American Society of Clinical Oncologists and it was a hot topic to talk about dry vagina. <laughs> because, right. because these breast cancer survivors, yeah, they're surviving, but they can't thrive. They can't have sex. It, it, the quality of life goes. And right. that we need to understand that is a very significant impact. Already you're having some problems because maybe you have scar or you feel lousy. You want to do something that's, that's, that gives you pleasure. So you don't want to be a hot mess down there. And you definitely don't want the dry sex that comes with some of these you know, treatments to help with the breast cancer. So we can reverse it and have that conversation. That's great. And get everybody on board. So she feels good about her choices that she's making for her body. Right. Um, okay. In your, uh, your opinion, where is the best place to go? So if they want to, you know, retrieve more information on perimenopause or menopause, where, where should they go to look for this? Right. Well, I, you know, I think the American College of OBGYN, ACOG.org, has a lot of information and frequently asked questions on this. The other two societies that are basically just focused on this very significantly are the North American Menopause Society, NAMS, and ISHWISH, which is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, I-S-S-W-S-H. And in there, um, they have guidelines for people who have dry vagina and postmenopausal GSM, and those who also have this condition with breast cancer um, and what we can do. And mostly ACOG and the ishwish nams guidelines, the first line therapy is actually non-hormonal. I must say, it's going to be the lotions and potions. And Patty, I know you and Pure Romance people know all about this. Uh, lotions and potions for the dry vagina, many of which have water-based um, moisturizers or silicone-based lubricants. And we need that moisturizers, um, not used with sex, but could be lubricants just with sex, generally speaking. Um, and then the hormonal treatments are secondary um, with estrogen and there's some other non-estrogen, but some pro-hormones, something called prasterone or intrarosa. Um, there's estrogens that come in creams, they come in rings, they come in tablets, they come in suppositories that dissolve quickly. Women have a lot more choices now. And again, just to understand that you can talk with your oncologist. You can talk with your gynecologist. We can have the conversation. There's newer fractionated lasers that are being studied for these. There's a lot going on. I must say, um, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a good time to be a postmenopausal woman <laughs> and keep good your to hear. <laughs> Good to hear. We 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 need more doctors like yourself that is going to put us. Uh, give us the right information so we can move forward and have a great quality of life. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Sherelle Inglesia, for a great conversation today. Uh, for more information on the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health, our six focus areas, and to download our Let's Discuss Perimenopause and Menopause pocket cards to start a conversation with your doctor, visit 
thepattybrisbanefoundation.org. Remember, sex care is self-care and sexual health matters. 